Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by who else? BetOnline.eg. And BetOnline, they'd like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march into the NFL playoffs this weekend. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. So it's a new year. And guess what? A new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online, it's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. It is a Friday, and I'm so happy to have this guest back here on the pod. He is at season four of his podcast. Tell me a story I don't know. It is Chicago sports legend, journalist, sports media personality, and of course, podcaster George Offman. Welcome back to the pod, George. How are you? I'm great, Joey. If only people knew what we were talking about beforehand, we wouldn't be doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm just that kidding. Is, that is correct. Uh, yeah, we'll put that in the uh, the late night, the late hours, the yeah, late hours right. podcast, if you will. Um, I'm so happy to have you on here. Uh, we're going to get into a couple of different topics. But first, let's talk about the one that everyone in Chicago is buzzing and talking about. You know, George, today is the 17th anniversary of the Chicago Bears winning the NFC Championship game 39-14 to over the New Orleans Saints. Wow. Uh, for, for my money, the greatest day of my Chicago Bears life. And we are 17 years removed, and now we are looking at a brand-new regime up at Hallis Hall. You can speak eloquently. I mean, you've covered these teams all the way back to the Jim Finks era. So you can speak eloquently even about that time. So are you following this process with bated breath? What is your enthusiasm right now for all the candidates coming in and out of Hallis Hall for the Chicago Bears? I'm actually following this with bad breath, but that's another story for another day. You know, it's funny when you mentioned, uh, you know, the Super Bowl that the Bears made, because I started thinking about this the other day. They made the Super Bowl with likely the most average quarterback to make a Super Bowl in so many years. Rex Grossman. Matter of fact, Rex Grossman was probably less than average. And the last time really, quote, an average quarterback won a Super Bowl, I think it would be 2001 with the Baltimore Ravens, who had a great defense. Well, and, you know, and of course, they made the Super Bowl because they had a great defense and they had somebody named Devin Hester, who should, by the way, be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But that's part and parcel of what's going on with the Bears right now, because it all revolves around Justin Fields. And so the process that the Bears are using now, which I think is a pretty good process. Yes, they are using the expertise of Bill Polian because George McCaskey doesn't know enough about football. That's the problem. You if you wanted somebody like Bill Polian, you could have taken him 20 years ago and say, just run our organization. But instead, he is just giving them the advice. However, they've interviewed a ton of people. I think it's 10 coaches and 15 general managers. Good. They're doing their just diligence in all of this. I don't have a, a horse in this game at all. But what I want to know is whether or not they're doing this the right way. Because the right way would be to hire a general manager first unless there was an absolute knockout candidate for head coach. And by the way, that will not be Jim Harbaugh. I can tell you now, Jim Harbaugh will not be the coach of the Chicago Bears. I know that for a fact. That would be a different story. But let's say the Bears have nailed a coach they'd like. What I want to see them do is, with every general manager they're interviewing, tell them this is the list of coaches that we are looking at. Consensus. What do you think? 
so that we can get a correlation on which group fits together. Sometimes organizations go ass backwards. I think this is the case with, with the bears. You, want to, you really want to get a general manager first. I've always said this, Joey, the most important guy in any organization is the general manager, not the owner who give the money. It's the guy who puts together the team and picks the manager. That's always been the case. It's about personnel. However, that said, in the NFL, it's about one guy. It's about the quarterback. Look at the teams that are left. Only one of them has a, an average quarterback, and he's not having a good year. Ryan Tannehill has 21 touchdowns and 14 interceptions mm -hmm. for Tennessee. But they've got a great defense. They've got their running back that's coming back. And other than that, look at the other teams that are in. They all have... I would say elite quarterbacks with the exception of this, the 49ers, and he's playing like an elite quarterback right now. That's the only way you win the NFL. So the bears went out and got themselves what they think is an elite quarterback, albeit he did not have a very good year. It was a rather fractured year. And that's the most important guy. So who you, whoever you hire really has to understand that particular position. Now you could say you like the guy from Buffalo, but so do a lot of people. You know, he's the offensive coordinator there helped to mold a guy who's going to, he is a franchise quarterback who just came off an historic game. I think that's <laughs> the first time anybody's ever done what he did. He was magnificent. But the question is, do you want a coordinator? Or do you want a head coach with experience? Because remember four years ago, Joey, the hot commodity, the hot commodity, the red hot commodity was a guy named Matt Nagy. How did that work out? So coordinators to me are a crapshoot as opposed to, let's say, a guy with head coaching experience. I kind of like Jim Caldwell, albeit he is 60, he's 67, yeah. but you know, guess what? He won three out of four years with the Lions. To me, you should be named Pope for winning games with the Detroit Lions. Uh, and we've already learned about Tony Larusa being 76 managing the White Sox, 67 isn't very old to be a head coach in the NFL. I don't know if they're going to go that way. My guess in the end is that Bill Polian is going to steer the Bears towards the Colts. And there are, I mean, I think their defensive coordinator is coming in here for a second interview for head coach. We'll see. Then you have Bears fans who don't trust McCaskey and Ted Phillips. It's very understandable, but you have to understand this. They're still in charge. Okay. That's mm -hmm. just the way it is. And, and please do not tell me. And cause I get this on Twitter and Facebook, sell the team. It's They're not, not happening. selling the team. They just okay? bought Arlington. They just bought That's, Arlington park. Come on. People. They're not. If Virginia McCaskey passes away one day soon, she's 99. Maybe something changes there. I don't know. But for those people who keep saying, sell the team, sell the team, sell the team. I just say, the famous words of Michael Wilbon. Shut up. <laughs> the dopes. They're dopes is dopes. what they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, look, I, I completely agree with you. And look, there's a lot of things that are going around about, you know, why are the Bears casting this wide net? Some people like to think that they don't know what they're doing. I personally, I don't really have a problem with it. And I feel like that they are kind of maybe checking the boxes. And I want to kind of wait and see a little bit how this plays out. I'm with you. GM first and coach first. The fact that they've gone out and said that they would hire a coach first, 
I don't think that means that necessarily is going to happen. But to the no. Harbaugh's of the world, if they were to court them, I, I my personal favorite was Sean Payton. Albert Breer did post a tweet today talking about if Sean Payton were to exit, what it would look like. They High in the sky, get, but can't yeah. get Sean Payton because Sean Payton takes draft choices. The Bears don't have draft choices. They don't have first round draft choices. Sorry, that's a pipe dream. So yeah. forget about forget about Sean Payton. But you're right. The due diligence is fine. Interview as many people as you can. And as this process goes on, it's possible one of these candidates is still coaching and maybe coaching through the Super Bowl. It's mm-hmm. fine. As long as you realize there's competition out there. The New York Giants, the very hapless New York Giants, the Minnesota Vikings are out there. And if Harbaugh leaves Michigan for any reason, and I was told an hour ago that Michigan has made him an extremely lucrative offer, eight figures. You know, they they cut him back. Well, you know, they want to keep him. Only the Los Angeles, no, excuse me, gosh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Where are they playing next year? Poughkeepsie? Um, the, the, the Vegas Raiders are the team that he could possibly go to, but I'll bet that he stays at Michigan. People say, why should he, why shouldn't he? Well, Well, that's, well, that's how the college game works, right? Is you keep quiet long enough and you build enough leverage and then you work it into a new deal. I mean, this isn't the first college coach to pull that type of lever before. Um, I do want to ask you what would be your opinion on, and obviously just to get it out there. Also, Joe Shane was hired today by the, uh, by the New York giants long linked to Brian Dable too, as well. So that might kind of cut into some of the bears fans list of dreams. I'm right there with you on the Colts. Uh, in terms of, you mentioned something about wait till the end of the Super Bowl. What would be your take on if Josh McDaniels possibly came into hire? He got, went through the process last time. Don't think so? Right. No, I think he's going to stay in New England. I, I have a feeling that he is going to wind up being the heir apparent, maybe, to uh, Bill Belichick whenever he retires. Bill's 70 years old now. Doesn't show any signs that he wants to do that. And, you know, look, the, the Giants, if – they are able to get that combination. That's good for them. But if you're Dable, do you really want to go to the New York Giants? They really don't have a quarterback. The Bears do have one. The Giants have basically nothing. If I was him, I would kind of say, eh, I'm going to take a pass on the New York Giants. The Vikings, uh, the Vikings, the Vikings is a different story because they still have Kirk Cousins and you know, they're still a viable franchise, but I would, you know, if, if, if I'm him, I would say no to the Giants. Let's, pro- let's press the lightning rod button real quick. What have you heard about Brian Flores uh, in Chicago and maybe just what's been matriculating? Because some of the stuff seems very, very concerning to me. I do smell a little BS in other areas of the reporting of what's happened to him in Miami. Look, I, I can only go on what I have read and heard is that he was let go because he had some issues with management. Um, is he uh, one of the candidates here? Absolutely. After that, I really don't know that much about him. But if he is a control guy, I'm not sure the Bears are looking for a control coach. Mm. Maybe that's one of the reasons that they aren't talking to Harbaugh. But then again, maybe Harbaugh is one of the reasons he's not talking to the Bears very possible that he doesn't want to be the coach of the Chicago Bears so um, I don't know enough about Flores other than what I have read my only concern with the Bears and I'm not going to say my only concern is that they screw this up again because that's too easy to say you know my concern is that they they do this the way they should which is 
talk to these people about the candidates, perhaps in the other position, coaches about the general manager, but more importantly, the general managers, each one of them. Here's who we're interviewing. Give me your top two or three. Let's see if there is a consensus among many of them. And then let's see what Bill Polian does. Remember, in the end, Bill Polian is pulling the strings here. You know, George McCaskey and Ted Phillips, I'm not sure are going to say no to what Bill Polian says. You know, that's the, they didn't say no the last time to uh, uh, Ernie Accorsi when he picked Ryan Pace, who really didn't have that kind of experience. And look what happened to Ryan Pace. So it's, um, you know, the Bears organization has been really not exactly what you call the, uh, the blueprint of NFL organizations, other than they print money. Uh, final one on the Bears. You know, George, if they asked you to sit down in that room and they asked you for one characteristic that you would be looking for in a head coach, you know, what would that be? Would it be strictly offense, strictly defense? Would it be a little bit more intangible? You know, what characteristic would you be looking for? What does the Bears organization need most from their next head coach? Leadership. They need real solid leadership. And what I really think they need is a veteran coach, somebody mm -hmm. who has been there before. I don't like the term retread. I'm not sure how many guys that they have interviewed now have previous NFL coaching. Uh, Peterson. Peterson is one, correct. Todd Bowles is coming eventually. Todd, Todd Bowles is another one. We mentioned uh, Caldwell. Mm -hmm. uh, if it was me, I would like to go with someone who has NFL experience. Obviously, Bowles has been in the Bears organization. That's the way I look at it. But I, I, again, I don't have a, quote, horse in the game. Um, as long as they, are, they get somebody also who's not just – you know, the quarterback is the main guy, but you have to reconstruct this team. They're not ready to win next year. But remember, this year they had the oldest team in the NFL and the toughest schedule in the NFL. Next, week, next year, that schedule is a little easier. You would think they're going to get a little bit younger. They have a little bit of money in the cap, but they don't have a first-round pick. It's really hard to reconstruct this team. The idea was... When they got uh, Mitch Trubisky, that defense was blossoming, you know, and then um, they made the, 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 the trade to get Khalil Mack. But Trubisky wasn't the answer. And when you make a mistake at that position, you could set your franchise back a decade. And the Bears <laughs> might have. We'll yes. see. Yeah, absolutely. I was reading an article the other day in regards to the salary cap, and I think the new general manager is going to have to make a choice where choice one is, do I make a splash right away? And do I maybe maneuver some money and kick it into next year's salary cap? You know, the Danny Trevathan contract is one that comes up, comes to mind. Or do they kind of stand pat, try and make some prudent moves? And like you said, compete against maybe a softer schedule next year, maybe not blow the doors off and then really reset take a little bit of pain off, maybe get your draft capital back, and then really kick it into gear into 2024. The one word that I keep thinking of, George, and I just want to get your take on this is, I just the characteristic I want in my head coach is adjustments. I want them to be able to adjust. We keep bringing in the Matt Nagy, you know, his the stubbornness with Matt Nagy's scheme, I think was what really kind of wore Bears fans down and maybe the organization as well. You see all these different organizations out there that say, we're going to look at our matchup each week, we're going to take our personnel and we're going to maybe try and cater it to win the game that week, whether it is run the ball, whether it is throw the ball, whether it is play a different style of football. 
that's someone that I'm kind of intrigued by, someone that's be willing to say, I'm willing to adjust and maybe have, you know, maybe have that own type of put the pride aside, maybe where you're getting at with the seasoned head coach to know I've been in this game too long to maybe stick with my system or go down with the ship. I want to just try and win on a weekly basis. Well, he didn't have a good system, really. I mean, they they had a wonderful first year. And after that, they didn't really have a good system. He didn't have a good system with Trubisky. And every time you thought they could run and he didn't run, then every time they didn't run, they should have run. And every time it was a fourth down play, they shouldn't have done what they did or a third Pitch down play. play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just some of his last game was just abominable. What happened in that last game? And it proved the point. He was just not head coaching material. And this also happens and sets you back when the general manager picks John Fox, who wasn't very good, uh, brought in to kind of sew things back up after the previous coach they had, which was Mark Trussman. And now they had Matt Nagy for four years and look where they are. This has been the bears for years and years and years and years and years and years. We'll see. I'm not, listen, I'm not yeah. counting on anything. Well, to your point, though, the one maybe difference is I have a general sense of optimism about Justin Fields. Um, you know, I think that there are some things that he definitely needs to improve on next year. And there's some things in his game that he either figures out or he doesn't, right? When they talk about learning progressions and reading blitzes and pre-snap and all that stuff, I mean, you either figure that out in the NFL or you don't based on the talent. But maybe the Bears do have that one quality that in previous regimes and the rinse and repeat cycle of what the Bears fans have had to go through. Maybe that is maybe that is the variable that changes this. We don't know if Justin Fields is going to be a franchise quarterback or an average quarterback or even a bust. I don't think he's going to be a bust. But what he's going to need is he's going to need an offensive line to protect him. He's going to need some solid wide receivers. Look, I'm, I don't want to beat a dead horse. But Jay Cutler, talent-wise, was good enough to be a franchise quarterback. What he missed was leadership qualities. Remember when he came here, he got killed. He was sacked, I think, 39 times the first year, an abominable 52 times the next year. He had six offensive coordinators during his 10 years here. You know, and with all that said and done, if not for an injury, and Jay Cutler was a tough guy. So for him to have left the game like he did in the NFC Championship game back in whatever that was, 2010 or 2011, the Bears could have made the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And who knows how that would have changed things. They screwed that up royally. That was royally screwed up. Getting Cutler was a great idea by Jerry Angelo. After that, he did everything wrong he could possibly do wrong. So whoever the new general manager is realizes that, yes, I've got a talent in Justin Field. We've got to teach. He's got to pick the right offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. But you got to protect him. And you also have to give him targets. What happened to Allen Robinson this year? I don't know. I highly doubt they're going to bring him back, which means they're going to have to come up with more than just Mooney as their wide receiver option. They're going to need at least a couple of more of them. So there's a long way to go, no matter who comes in and no matter what kind of progression Justin Fields makes. Yeah, don't bank uh, your franchise quarterback's hopes on Orlando Pace. Maybe I'd recommend, you know, something along those lines. And then, of course, the 15-step drops of Mike Martz. And I'm with you, the free agent class heading up in the offseason. There is some talent there. I don't know if it's top-end talent. 
And, you know, I, I often talk about, you know, do they need a number one wide receiver? We'll see maybe a complementary of pieces and some depth in that room might be the way to go for at least a year and see if you can develop someone on that side. Let's go to greener pastures, shall we? Let's talk about the Chicago Bulls for a moment. Um, now, look, at this particular moment, we're in January in the NBA season. Um, for a lot of people, you know, that's a difficult part of the year when stuff starts to go wrong. That happens, whether it is on the court discipline wise or whether it is injuries that's happening in the Chicago Bulls right now. Let's just start here. I mean, how surprised are you about the Chicago Bulls season so far? They're so exciting to watch. Injuries have hit them right now. Do you feel like they have staying power at this time? Well, they will if they get some of these people back. Uh, when Arturis Karnishevis and staff made all the moves they did after they got Vucevic for those two first-round picks, I said, you know what? They're good enough not to be good enough. Those are the words I used because I couldn't see them being a, an NBA finals contender. But you've got a really smart coach and they brought in all these people, Caruso, uh, then Ayo DeSumo, who's been a really great find. Kobe so White, fun. when he came back, is a much better player now. And they were really good with everybody knowing that they were shy a really important player and that was much more of a power forward Williams was out for the year but he was a he's a kid and that's probably what they need now well it wasn't so much a fluke to where they got albeit before their big losing streak losing all the players from from Zach Levine to Lonzo Ball who's now out six to eight weeks and they'd already lost Caruso they needed two remarkable game-winning, buzzer-beating shots back-to-back by DeMar DeRozan. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the Bulls wouldn't be a number one or a number two team. They're not good enough talent-wise, I think, to beat a healthy New Jersey team. I don't think they're good enough to beat the Sixers. I'm not sure they're good enough to beat – well, they're not good enough to beat Milwaukee. I'm not sure they're we'll good enough tonight, to beat Miami. Right? <laughs> well, so no, we're not, they haven't played each other yet, right? But We're, we're not going to find out against the Bucks because they're mm. still shy players. Again, Zach Levine's not playing. Your backcourt's not you – know, they're not playing. Yeah. The issue with the Bulls is they are guard-centric. they got a lot of good guards. A lot of they, – they're, they're, they have too many. But – I would, if I was management, I wouldn't make any trades at the trading deadline. There's no need to do that. In the off season, you will have, um, you're going to have a lot of pieces that you can work with to move. They have an abundance of talent. They can move. Next year is going to be the crucial year. They have to be a contender because DeMar DeRozan is going to be, what, 33 Vucevic is going to be that age, 32 or 33. Those are still great players that might be able to last the three years that they have in their contract. I mean, Vucevic may have one more. That's the, the key year. I can't tell you what's going to happen this year because things have been so topsy-turvy. Despite what happened, I didn't see them getting blown out by New Jersey. I didn't see them, or the Brooklyn rather, I didn't see them getting blown out by Golden State. Back-to-back 38 point poundings at home but when you know and if they were full strength i'm sure they would have, it would have been a much better um challenge for them but they don't have that right now and you know you can't win with just guards they're a small team 
And Vucevic has been inconsistent. I've come to the conclusion he is not a franchise center. Scale of one to 10, he's a seven, what, what they could use. And I don't know if Patrick Williams is going to be that guy. They need another big. They need a real good veteran big who can really be strong on the defense and offensive board. And that's really important for them. But, but I, and I have a feeling they will probably stand pat, if not make very tiny moves at the break, because Lonzo Ball's not going to be back till mid to late March. And you got the playoffs following. And nobody knows. You know, I think everybody thought the way the Bulls are playing now, that they're going to be a team that could make the Eastern Conference Finals. They might. I, yeah. wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it at the moment. But again, what you're seeing now is that them getting beat by better teams for a reason. They're better teams, but the Bulls are playing extremely shorthanded. I would like to see their full complement against teams like Golden State and Brooklyn. You know, we won't see that against Golden State again. You'll see it against Brooklyn. You'll see it against the Bucks. You'll see it against the Cavaliers. They won a big game the other night in Cleveland. The Cavaliers are pretty darn good without their star player. Really good. That's a surprise team. Yeah, you know, we don't know how the seeds are going to fall, but, you know, in that second round of the playoffs, they got to not play the Nets or the Bucks, right, to get to that conference finals. And I, I don't matter. see a scenario how that works out, right? And I'm right. so glad that you say that about the trade this year because you see all this stuff of should we trade Patrick Williams? Would, you know, would AK pull the trigger on that? And I just, I, this is, I'm having these flashbacks to the White Sox season last year of, you know, they had this great team with all these injuries. And I get it. They were going for a World Series, and I understand that. But when you look at the Craig Kimbrell trade in hindsight now, as much as you could say whatever you want about Nick Madrigal, I, I think it was a little short-sighted. With the White Sox, there is this open window of really truly going for it and winning a World Series. And when you don't have Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez on the field for the predominant amount of the season, I just didn't understand that all-in type of trade mentality. Keep in mind, Bulls fans, you know, there still is the buyout market, too, as well. Like, I still have my little hopes that the Spurs buy out Thad Young, and Thad Young would want to come back to Chicago and play with his best friend, Zach Levine. I'm not saying that solves anything, but that does kind of satiate a little bit of that that big that, that, that big rim protection kind of size that we need underneath. And I'm right there with you because I think heading into this offseason, into the summer, next year is the year where the Chicago Bulls can legitimately – you can actually probably put the words contenders next to their name next year. This year, it all it, depends. Yeah. It all depends on what you do. They don't. They don't need the scoring. They've got scoring. They got plenty of that. But look, either Kobe White or Io DeSumo will not be here next year. One of those guys won't mm -hmm. be. And you know, obviously, DeSumo has been a. a tremendous a popular favorite at the united center if for it, good reason if He's it was you an... if it was you it's kobe white right that, that's well, the piece that not, you dangle it's not that it's 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 probably more of a package deal mm -hmm. kobe white right now looks like he can be somebody's starter he looks like ben gordon <laughs> He's been real, I mean, he's a, he's a yeah. completely different player now this year than he was last year he's just and that's he's a talent and he's growing Patrick Williams? No, you don't want to trade him. You, the, he's got a huge upside, and you're going to need those young players as you grow beyond the DeMar DeRozans and, and the Vucevic's. You're going to need that. It's really, I mean, Caruso, you could argue, has been a, as valuable as DeRozan has been. I mean, that guy helps you win games by his defense. 
There are not many guys like them. That's why the Lakers love them and everybody else that's had them loves them. So I, I just see this as, let's see what happens. Bulls have been very entertaining, except for those two really, really ugly losses. They've been very entertaining. Um, and I, I, I think the sky is the limit for them, but that limit is coming up in the next couple of years. That window is small just because of DeRozan, you know, whose contract is for three years. And he's, he looks like he can, if, if, if he stays in good shape, he looks like he can play this way for a couple of two or three more years. He's been sensational for this team. And he's taken the pressure off Zach Levine who I would hope that the Bulls will sign to a long-term deal in the offseason because I think they're realizing that while he has some defensive deficiencies, maybe more than some, he's a very valuable player. And how about the DeRozan money? Not quite as overpaid as everyone made it out to be uh, when well, we're all a lot. What's, telling what's people to spend their money. Hey, yeah, exactly. It's only, only making $26 million a year. You can clutch, knock me clutch my pearls. Yeah, oh, seriously. <laughs> well, and, and and my goodness, how fun is it just to be talking about uh, Chicago Bulls basketball again? And I think, uh, in essence, I don't know if I'm so starved just to see entertaining basketball at the United Center again, just to see them and be as entertaining as they are, I think is oh, it's worth the price house. of admission. Yeah. The last game I covered was the Bulls and the Bucks. This is February of 2020. So it would have been uh, right before COVID started to spread. They announced the crowd at 14,000. There may have been 9,000 in the building. Mm. It was empty. Wow. Okay. Look at it now. Now they've got an entertaining team and they're, they're putting 18, 19,000 people back in the building. There's a reason. There are, there are Bulls fans in this town. They're basketball fans. They could see right away, wow, this team is not only talented, it's fun to watch. And if you could put a product out there that's fun to watch, people will come and watch it. George Hoffman, before we spring you real quick, um, you know, we talked briefly on email. Um, we did want to take some time a little bit, and I wanted to get your perspective on just what the, you know, the Chicago media family has been going through the last month or so. Um, I do want to ask you about the passing of Jeff Dickerson and Les Grobstein. If we can just start with Jeff Dickerson um, very quickly, you know, for my money um, as a fan, you know, and I'm going to miss some names along the way because there's so many of them. But, you know, there's there's a couple people that come to mind, guys like Sam Smith, Phil Rogers, Jeff Dickerson. These are guys for me as a fan that when I read their their materials, their articles, I always just took them at their word. I don't know what it was. There was just something about J.D., that really, like, I remember in 2019, the year after the 2018 season with the Bears, training camp comes in. It's the one, it's the centennial anniversary. Bears are going to the Super Bowl, George. Here we go. Nagy's offense 2.0. And I'll never forget Jeff Dickerson writing articles and going on radio and saying, slow your roll, guys. This training camp has been rough. And he would do it in this way that it was optimism based in reality. And I, I, I respected that. And I always just kept that in my ear. And I said to myself, you know, all right, well, maybe let's slow the train down. And sure enough, they struggled that year. And I just think that's a testament to the person that he was as a journalist. Can you speak maybe a little bit about Jeff Dickerson as the man and just how it has just been such a tragic loss throughout the Chicago sports family? Well, first, I, you know, I hadn't seen Jeff in quite a while, a couple of years since I last covered the Bears. He was as upstanding a person as you can get wonderful, wonderful attitude that he had, a smile on his face all the time. I was there for the service of his wife who died of cancer at the age of 36. 
At that stage, they had an eight-year-old son, Parker. And then I didn't realize other people knew quite a while back that he was suffering from colon cancer. And, and then when I found out where he was at, I was so saddened. And then when he passed, um, it was very painful. And yet it was absolutely heartwarming to see the outpouring of not just emotion, but of money, uh, the GoFundMe, uh, the page for Parker that they were hoping to get $100,000 for, and they capped it off at $1.2 million. Right. Um, it struck a nerve, um, and he struck a nerve. He was, he was not just respected, he was beloved. And so was Les in a different way. Les was the, the, the guy, was a cult figure because of the shift that he had. He was a guy of the people, you know, the third shift people, the guys were inebriated. All these crazy people that listened to him. And I knew Les for 44 years and sat next to him in a press box probably 2,000 times, you know, and, and listened to his crazy antics. And gosh, did he have crazy antics. And yet the outpouring for him was staggering. Uh, and I went to the service the other day for him, which was limited to just a certain amount of people, but they, they streamed it. They streamed it online. Because if there was no COVID, there would have been thousands of people at this, at this service, thousands. That's what Les was. He, he had this kind of, he was a nerd. He was a, he was a very, he was a very interesting nerd. <laughs> um, Les was an encyclopedia. He could, de, you know, he was probably at every game that he said he was at. There were times that I think he was, you know, he was at two games at the same time. And I said, is that possible? And I said, it's less. Yeah, it's possible. You know, you know, with less, anything was possible. So, I mean, we lost. And, and in the case of JD, he was 44. Les was 69. And they both left us long before their time. So it's been tough, not just for the media community, but I think for the people that listened to them and read JD, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, sobering loss for all of us and uh yeah I, i'm just kind of curious um and before we go i do definitely wanted to talk to you very briefly about season four of tell me a story i don't know you just released season four with mike north as your first guest and you know we were talking a little bit on the pre-pod um do you mind maybe if i can borrow uh, a catchphrase from yours can you tell me a story i don't know about you know you were involved you were there at wrigley the day of lee elia right the very famous tirade of Lee Elia, which Les Grobstein was there with yeah. his recorder making it happen. I mean, can you tell that story a little bit? This is um, Lee Elia. So it's uh, April, I want to say it's April 29th of 1983. It's going to be, you know, 39 years. And um, so Les was the only person in the locker room, or rather in the manager's office, with a microphone. Gene uh, Greco was there for Channel 5 when he was the NBC affiliate. Mm -hmm. But apparently they didn't get the, there's no video. And so Les had the only audio. I, what we did back then, because I was freelancing full time, is we would split lockers. Somebody would go to the Cubs or vice versa. I went to the Dodgers that day. And then we would, you know, trade tape. So get upstairs to the then antiquated press box at Wrigley Field. 
And Les says, wait until you hear this. Well, <laughs> when I so heard good. it, I, I just went out of my mind. couldn't believe what Lee Ely had done. Five minutes full of invectives. You name a swear word, he used it. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely, it's priceless. It's, it's definitely, if we, not we, the best <laughs> meltdown in history, it's right there near the top. Yeah, we, we, we celebrate it as an anniversary still. Like to oh, this yes. day, it's the you know, Lee Elliott Day. It's incredible. I, I, I sold it to a lot of clients. I said, you know, back then, how they edited was tape and use the razor blades. Get the razor blades ready, fellas, because you're going to have to do a lot of editing. And when they heard it, they couldn't believe what they were hearing. All of my clients, I said, well, yeah, he said that. It's, it's real. And so Les will always be known for that. There's so much more. But that's that's the infamous tape, and Les was the only person to get it. And and to do it in a medium too that I was fortunate enough to still grow up in with with radio, yeah. right? I mean, right. You you leave you leave a Bulls game and you pop on the post game, right, or whatever it is. I mean, that's how you were getting your sports information, unless it was showing up at your doorstep the next morning from the Tribune and the Sometimes. Right. Right. And you know, it, it, it's funny how. That medium has changed and evolved, but is so integral to how we digest our news now today. I mean, you know, with social media and everything else, I mean, people, everyone has a microphone now. I just hope and can only imagine that maybe some regular callers were there at his service yesterday, too, as well. People that were around with Les just for so many years, the overnight. Unfortunately, unfortunately, they were not. This was this was a, almost an invitation only situation because of that. But like I said, if it was open it and been. there were listeners, there would have been thousands of listeners there they loved less and if they didn't love less they loved listening to less you know that was an experience and i listened to less like i said for gosh knows 44 years and so many press boxes sitting next to him arguing with him and he was so stubborn and whatever but you know that's that's the unfortunate part i say that's life um whatever we can say less lived his life to its fullest for those 69 years he never wasted a minute of it and for those that love sports uh you know less is is the definition of that because he's absorbed i mean his encyclopedic knowledge all the games that he probably saw maybe what ten thousand games whether oh, God, it was a different sports more exceeding correct? probably probably more than that and, and and sadly and i say this now i i had talked to less i think it was in november maybe maybe slightly earlier about you know, hey, Les, I want you to do the podcast. And I, and he said, oh, really? sure, Les would have been my, uh, the first three-parter because there's no way in the world you could do two parts with Les. 70s, Les, 80s, Les, 90s, or? Oh, everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, he's extraordinary. That's, that's why even somebody mentioned two parts with Mike North. Yes, we could have gone yeah. further than that because he's, you know, there's so much to be said there. So, uh, yes, we just started. Part two will come out uh, with a tease on Monday, and then Tuesday will be part two. There's so many things he talks about in, in part two that's really fascinating. Um, we have uh, Hub Arkish scheduled. Awesome. And, uh, Hub was interviewed in July, so we have to freshen things up now. Because, Sadly, in the news uh, a couple of weeks ago, right? Well, that's yeah. that's one of the things, but you know that there's new management, so we got to fresh. Some of the interviews mm -hmm. I do sometimes can be in the shell for a long time because we have a two-part episode coming up. I think it's yeah February 8th and the 15th with Kevin Harlan. 
who is awesome. one of the most unique play-by-play guys ever. This is a guy who has called the play-by-play of a streaker and a cat. This is remarkable. And he does it with flair. He's great. I've known Kevin for 40 years when he was the youngest, the, the, the uh, KCMO in Kansas City was the first station to do a pre and post game show for the NFL. And he was doing it while he was still in college. Okay. Mm. And I was one of his freelance guys. And, and that was just, it was absolutely wonderful. But that interview was done in April and I was going to use it last June. And I said, wait a second, he only does like the first round of the NBA, hold it for the next Super Bowl. And that's exactly what we're going to do because he's going to be doing, I think his 12th consecutive Super Bowl or 13th. I'm not sure for Westwood one. He is, I mean, he's just a wonderful guy. All the people we have, Dave Refson, got him coming up in a several weeks uh, of the Big Ten Network. Dave Ennett, the longtime uh, Chicago sports journalist, and of course the voice of Northwestern uh, basketball and football now for some 25, 30 years. Uh, he's coming up. Uh, Bill Wennington is, is going to be one of our guests. Oh, I'm taking with us. That's great. Pat Foley, uh, who's in his final year, is oh. the voice of the Chicago Blackhawks. Dan Roan, who's about to retire. WGN man Dan Ru- Dan Bulls Rowan. basketball on WGN he's, Friday night him and Wayne Larravee like, still looks like he's for speaking of Wayne Larravee he's scheduled I think we, we might be moving him to the springtime now uh, uh, but I interviewed him all these guys they're they're fabulous uh, who, who am I missing here oh wait uh, Wayne yeah. Larravee amongst the trees oh yeah <laughs> Wayne Mesmer Wayne Mesmer the oh my gosh real voice of the Cubs and the Blackhawks singing and that'll probably be heard in the spring as well. And coming back and singing again, and got his story is absolutely incredible. Oh yeah, yeah. And and, and I I can't say enough. I really really enjoy. I really really enjoy. Tell me a story I don't know. Brought to you by the beautiful and wonderful Vienna beef. Um, uh-huh. You know, I, I'll tell you for my listeners that haven't gotten a chance yet. You really do. You really need to check it out. It is so well researched. And again, you know, you mentioned Hub Arkish, but these are evergreen stories. I mean, these are these are stories that you can pop on at any time car ride road trip no matter what it is i mean these are some of the best brightest media personalities and voices that brought you all of your favorite moments in sports throughout the last few decades um it's a can't miss podcast uh george i can't tell you enough man i'm, I'm a big fan of it and congratulations on a season four thank you thank you we've had more people to go back to the beginning when we had michael wilbon as our first guest last year on january 26th which was then the 35th anniversary of the bears winning the super bowl and you know, wherever it started, people are, you're getting more listens on that. Mike Greenberg, Bob Costas. Marv Albert, all... the Marv Albert ones I can't miss. Um, you know, well, I just Marv had, Albert, I had Peggy, I had Peggy Gudinski on last week. Uh, so I, uh, checking her out, the former, uh, fellow Salukis getting together, uh, talking and, and chopping it up. That's a great Let one. Let me tell you something. Well. You know, Peggy Gudinski might be one of the best we've done. She was absolutely great. She was funny. She was vulnerable. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I've said it before when we start the interview that, beforehand the guests will say well, you know how long are we going to be doing this i said well maybe 45 minutes but usually it goes longer because you people can't stop talking and that's the best part and so then i'm sitting there how do i edit some of these things out of here but um they're they're priceless people and i'm glad that i've known them for all these years and i'm glad that we have them on and thank you for the compliment and yes tell me a story i don't know you can get it on apple podcast spotify mm-hmm. you name it you can get it well, and we're glad we have the podcast. Yeah, with with, with Peggy, her, you know, going through with such grace and vulnerability, talking about the Patrick Kane moment in her life. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? It's so crazy because, you know, years and years and years of just 
crushing it and nailing it. And then this one thing that makes it so easy for some people to take pot shots at. That's the life that you guys live, you know, and you think about that all the time. You know, the, the, the whole pursuit of journalism correct is, is to be correct, to put the things on record the way that they should be, to tell facts and truth. And human beings at one point or another can have missteps and it's how we handle them and overcome them and how the people attack those and find those easy little moments of weakness. Um, and the way that she handled it, I just found was really interesting. And it's it's one of my more favorite pods for sure. That's exactly what happened to Hub. And, you know, you mm -hmm. you make a mistake and it's how you handle it. Mm -hmm. um, but any of us who have been doing this for as long as we have and have been out in the field, it's when that happens, sometimes you're left there with a shovel and you've got to dig yourself out. And, you know, you're, you're not critical of those people because when you look at them, you go, hey, shit, I've been there before. I know exactly what you're going through. So you've got my support. And uh, so that's, and that's, that's part of what happened with Hub. Um, and I'm glad to see that he, you know, he, I, I, I am a big fan of Hub. I've known Hub for gosh knows 47 years because he went to SIU for one year. And, oh, really? and oh yeah, I, I might've been my first year there in 73. And I met him because then he went to Michigan and that's how I've known him longer than anybody. Um, and the, the travails of, of pro football weekly. I was going to say pro many, football weekly is enough said it's enough said. Well, everybody. But, but there's I mean? a, like, there's a major story behind that and all the times that they had financial issues. I never knew all that mm -hmm. stuff, but it's, it's fascinating. You learn a lot of things about these people that you did not know before. And so we're at the stage now where you know, some of the people you're interviewing are retiring. Marv Albert, well, we, we, we aired him the week that he retired. He's 80. Dan Roan is going to retire. He's going to be 70. Oh, my gosh, I cannot believe it. Mike North is 69. He's not going to retire until he's 112, and he's probably going to live that long. So, you know, we, 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 we listen, we, we seek both the, the national people who have those connections to Chicago and the local people who are very much part of this, the fabric of our city. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're trying to expand to, to other folks. I know that we're gonna have Ryan Dempster do this uh, very soon. And That's hopefully great. Ryan Sandberg and, you know, those are people with great connections and in the case of Dempster is a, a real, real personality. So yeah, thanks for helping to promote this. And it's a pleasure to be on here with you. You know, you're, you still have Chicago blood in you. Matter oh, forever. Chicago yeah, cut me open and it's bear blood, my friend. Just because I'm oh. out here in the California sun, uh, will never it will never change me, even though Do I like me going a favor. to yeah, Don't please. say California sun, it's freezing here. <laughs> the I'm sun not gonna, is out, I'm not but gonna, it's freezing. Yeah, we're not gonna give you numbers on the temperature here for sure. No, and George, look, uh, truly thank you so much for coming on. You know, I have I have such a great reverence for whatever you want to call it, the fraternity, the family. And so that's why I'm so thankful that you were so generous with your time when you come on to my podcast. Always great talking to you, George. Always rooting for you. Congratulations on season four, and I can't wait till we talk again. Thanks, Joey. Talk to you soon. Yes, today's episode of Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos was presented by BetOnline.ag. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. Thank you so much for checking out this pod. Be well, be safe, please be good to each other, and we will talk again soon. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.